Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. The title of the message tonight is, Why Are You Wandering? Why are you wandering? So to get to the bottom of why we may be wandering or make uh, sure that we don't, because maybe you're not wandering, but we should look at the group from the past and throughout history, and actually is talked about a lot of times in here, are the ones that, I mean, they held the title wanderer. That was like, they earned that. I do not want to earn wanderer. Anybody else in here? And if you haven't guessed it yet, we're talking about the Israelites, right? Now don't shut me off because I've heard this story. Because we're going to pull some things out. And these truths, I believe the Lord was starting to speak to me about, listen, these are the things you need to pay attention. Because I've spoken things to you. I've spoken things to you individually. And I've spoken to you, to th- uh, things to you as a body that you cannot just be passive about. And you have to make sure that you don't become a wanderer and never step into the promised land. I'm telling you guys, this is important. And we're going to look by the time we get to the end of this message in Hebrews where it tells us, don't be like this. Don't be like them. I'm telling you, if you look this up, just study it sometime, where the Israelites and everything they did, the warning of how they walked that, and not only them, but then, I mean, it talks about Joshua and Caleb, too, about how to do it right, all right? But, you know, I thought we'd have some fun and focus on what not to do tonight, okay? You guys can study out what to do. Um, But if if we don't do what they did, we'll get where we need to go, right? So, um, so anyways, the numerous accounts of what not to do are laced through the word of God of the famous group of people that almost made it. We're, we almost made it. I do not want to almost make it. When God is saying to us, listen, Billings, Montana, Faith Family Church, I want to reign over you. And he's saying to us things like, listen, listen, faith family, this year is a year of victories and multiplication. I don't want to just almost get there. Do you? Do you? I'm all in. How about you? I think I'm looking about a, at a bunch of people that are all in, that want to get where God says we can go. And God does not do this. He does not dangle it out in front of us like a carrot in front of a mule or whatever that, is that a cartoon? I don't even remember, but I know it's a thing. He does not dangle it out in front of us. And oh, you almost got it. Oh, you almost got it. Oh, that was a close one. Isn't this fun? He is not twisted like that. When he says that he has something for us, it means that he has something for us. And it's far better than we could even think or imagine. So you better start thinking and imagining pretty big. Because the moment you get to the point where you think you're thinking pretty big and imagining pretty big, God goes beyond that. 
He goes beyond that. So let's turn to Joshua 5, 6. Actually, I'm not going to turn there. You can turn there, but I'm going to read it in the God's Word translation. I don't know if we have that translation in our computer or not, but I'm going to read it to you. Joshua 5, 6. For 40 years, the Israelites wandered through the desert until all of their soldiers who left Egypt died. They died because they disobeyed the Lord. The Lord swore that he would not let them see the land flowing with milk and honey, which he had sworn to give our ancestors. The word wander here actually means to err. It means to move about without a fixed course, aim, or goal, move or cause to move in a spiral or a circular course. Anybody ever feel like they're spinning in circles? A wanderer is anyone that anybody, um, or it means to stop concentrating, look at something else, talk about something else, to go about from place to place, usually within a plan, without a plan, or definite purpose. Wander implies an absence of or an indifference to a fixed course. Which is actually, did you know that in, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of types and shadows. It's actually the wandering in the wilderness is a type and shadow of the, um, the life lived in the flesh. Okay? It's living fleshly. If you're living by your flesh, you're wandering. We know, and I, and I can't tell you exactly where this is right now, but we know that when you sow to the flesh, you reap... Destruction. When you flow to the, uh, sow to the Spirit, you reap life. There's sowing that happens. There's, there's sowing and then reaping that happens, whether we like it or not. It's a spiritual law. That's the way it happens. And so that, that idea of wandering is to be in air, to not have a, have, you're just like this, like this. You're just going in circles. You're getting your eyes off of the focus of where it should be, and you just are going in circles. You're erring. And it's the life after the flesh. It's to turn aside, especially from the main subject of attention. So the first thing that I want to look at, and we're not going to actually stop at a lot of this, but this is all in Exodus 14, so you can look at it later. But the first thing that we want to see, and um, or we see they begin, to, they begin to look at as the Israelites, is actually they begin to look at their circumstances. That was the first thing. So it kind of sounds like they didn't keep their eyes fixed on the prize. They began to look at the circumstances of what was around them. God would tell them one thing, but they'd see something totally different. God would promise them, listen, I'm going to do this. And then they would, they would, they would um, look at the natural. We do this too much. We're people of faith. We shouldn't look at the natural. If God says it, that's enough. If God's word says that it's ours, it's ours. 
And we have such a determination and such a, to stand on in such a trust that when God says something, he really does mean it because he cannot lie. That that should be enough right there to hang on to that word and not let go, no matter what you see or feel or what you're experiencing around you. And so they saw <clears throat> their circumstances. Rather than keep their eyes on God and what he had set in place to lead them to, to the promise, they had forgetfulness. Man, this is a wonderful passage to study, so if you want to study it, we're only going to be able to touch a little bit tonight. But Exodus 4.8, we see that the children of Israel actually went out in boldness, is what it says. So they had boldness. They had seen, I'm telling you, they had seen the plagues come upon the Egyptians and not even touch them. They saw miraculous things. They saw the hand of the Lord. They saw the plan of God and that he was going to follow this through, that he was going to take them through this. But what happened? They were in boldness. And then literally in two, two verses later, in verse 10, it says, Pharaoh drew near and they were very afraid. So in the previous chapter, we see that the people were told, and we're not going to look at this, but if you look at the previous chapter, chapter 13, they were actually told how many times to earnestly remember what God had done. They were told to earnestly remember the hand of God upon them in those places where God miraculously came through for them. They were told to earnestly remember, to be earnest is a serious manner and thought. So the Lord was saying to them, listen, because don't you think that God might have an idea of where the enemy's gonna trip, up, trip you up? So he knew, listen, you're going to see mighty, mighty things done by my hand. But listen, if you forget my faithfulness in those things, then it's almost like you're going to be starting brand new, like with no trust, no reliance on God, no confidence. It's like you're starting at the beginning again. But he said, remember this day in which you came out. And all the plagues that the Lord had kept from them that were, were put on the Egyptians, the protection on their lands, their families, and their children. You know, as a parent, I can imagine that some of these um, Israelites were probably getting afraid for their children, for their kids. Here's all this stuff happening. But they had forgotten that God took care of their kids not too far before. God knows how to take care of our kids better than we do. He absolutely does. He knows how to take care of us. He knows how to take care of our families. He knows how to take care of our kids. In chapter 14 alone, it states so many times that by the strong hand of the Lord, by his strength, don't be afraid. You will see the salvation of the Lord. So many times God is saying to them, listen, stop being afraid. 
You've seen my hand upon your life. You'll continue to see it. And he's saying, you have to remember this. You know what, you know what things just kind of take me through difficult situations? When I sit there and I think back and I think about how faithful God was five years ago during this situation, and I know that he doesn't change, and he loves me just the same as he did then, and he's going to make sure that I get through that difficult situation too as long as I remember that he's good and he's got me. As long as I hang on to and I don't begin to wander and I don't begin to not focus and keep my focus and my attention on him, but I start looking at the issues and looking at the problems, and then that's when fear comes in. Think about it. When you look at the fear, when you look at the situations and fear comes in, what do you think happens when you look at the faithfulness of God? Faith comes in. Faith comes in. It makes sense, doesn't it? Focus on the things, focus on the difficult things, and you're going to be feeding the fear. Focus on the faithfulness of God, and you're going to be feeding your faith. It's that simple. We overcomplicate this. We overcomplicate this. And a lot of times it's because we feel it so strong but I feel it, but I feel it so strong. God gave us feelings, but he did not give, it, give us those feelings to be led by them. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. We are to be led by our spirit. And so when God says something, it's enough to hold you, it's enough to stand on, not just enough, but more than enough. Listen, this is where we get down to the real here. Do you believe him or not? It's that simple. Do you believe him or not? Do I believe him or not? I love it at one of the marriaging family. I think it was Pastor Josh said this. He goes, sometimes you just need to assess yourself. Guys, believers, we should be assessing ourselves daily. Daily. And that's what the Word of God does, actually. So if he says there is this land that I want you to take, that I want to take you to, wait till you see it. It is a land of abundance full of houses that you did not build and crops that you did not plant. Do we believe that he's got something better do we believe that he's got what he says he has for us? So in regards to the rain and to the victory, do we believe it or not? I am not looking at this and what God is doing and what he's called us to in the assignments. We don't take those things lightly. God is serious. We should be serious. So if God is serious that there is a rain Oh, man, and if you're in prayer on Tuesdays, it's not just a sprinkle. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is not just a sprinkle. It is a rain that will rain on your family, that will rain on your neighbors. The thing about a deluge, you that word, you know, a big rain? <laughs> deluge, 
Is that right? Deluge? Whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. The thing about that rain is that it doesn't just affect you. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It is a rain that is going to be so heavy and so thick. And don't even begin to, and by the Spirit of God, he's been telling us that this. Don't even begin to, to, uh, to start to think you know what that rain looks like. Because the moment you think you know what his rain is, the moment you put him in a box. His rain can look like a, a lot of different things. In fact, before prayer on one Sunday morning when we came in, the Lord had spoke to me um, while I was getting ready. And he said, he said, do you remember, um, uh, who was the evangelist? Billy Graham, thank you. Billy Graham, he goes, do you remember Billy Graham? And I don't know, I've heard some different things in regards to, I know that he didn't just flow in the, Holy, the gifts of the Spirit, and I don't even know if he was actually baptized in the Holy Ghost. I, I think I heard he had gotten that later or whatever, but that doesn't even matter. He was ministering the gospel, and millions came to Jesus because of that. Do you understand that that is the rain? That is the rain. If we just think that the rain is a comfy, cozy time in worship and that's it, we're going to short, we're going to short ourselves. God gets to decide what his rain looks like. And our job is to just say, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm not going to wander. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize. I'm not going to allow myself to get into fear and unbelief, but I'm going to stay right with you, God. I'm going to stay right with you. And we're going to get exactly where we need to be. Do you believe it? <clears throat> so in verse 14, uh, excuse me, verse 11 of 14, so this is the second thing I saw. So the first one was... Um, is they started getting their eyes off of Jesus. They got their eyes on the circumstances. The second thing I saw is, and here is where the habit of complaining or murmuring kicked in. This is where they began their never ending. <laughs> well, wait, there were, there, it went in waves. When things were going right, Oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. When things were going wrong, why did you do this to us? And murmuring and complaining and whining and whining and whining. And I can't stand whining. I spank whining. Probably not really anymore, but... No, not at all anymore. But... Whining is the worst. It's not the worst, but it's pretty bad. So first they begin to complain to their leader and to God. You should have left us in Egypt, they said. God in his mercy, think about this, led them by a pillar of, fi of fire, blocked the Egyptians, tore off wheels, and split the sea. The Lord... 
The Lord fought for them like he said he was going to. We see throughout this account that it didn't matter what they saw in the realm of the miraculous, but what mattered was their attitude on the journey. This is why miracles and gifts of the Spirit do not mature you. We see this in Corinthians. They do not mature you. According to this right here, they saw all kinds of things that we've never, ever, ever, ever seen before. Anybody ever see a sea split? Walk over on dry land? Anybody see a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day? Anybody see God rip wheels off the person driving crazy next to you? <laughs> I'm telling you, they saw amazing things. They saw amazing things. But yet, they let complaining in. What was supposed to keep them out of complaining? It was remembering what God had done and having a thankful heart. That keeps you out of complaining. That keeps you out of murmuring. So to murmur is to grumble, to complain, to utter complaints. Listen to this. To criticize or grumble about the actions of others. Yikes. None of you do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Did you ever notice that complaining is always projected towards someone else? Nobody just sits around and complains about their self to themselves. <laughs> so we know what they were doing here. Not only were they complaining about the man of God that they put over them, but they were complaining to God. They were complaining and murmuring when God was supplying for them along the whole way and protecting them the whole time, miraculously. We gotta be careful, church, because when the rain starts falling and we start having services where you don't preach and just the presence of God sweeps in here, right away on Monday morning, you can turn around and you can start grumbling and murmuring and complaining and forget about what just happened. And God wants us to have refreshing times. But this is why sometimes his reign may be some just really good teaching because we need to grow spiritually. Because if we're gonna maintain the reign and not just have an up, oh, we're done, that was fun. If we're gonna maintain the reign from heaven, then it is going to require spiritual maturity from us. Yeesh. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up, God. I want the rain, don't you? I want everything he's got for us. I don't want to have him hold back because we can't handle it. And I don't think you do either. Do you feel like you're wandering and not seeing the things that you are praying for, believing for? Maybe we should check up on our murmuring. Are you not seeing the things in your marriage, in your job, in your church, in your finances, in your family, 
Check up on your murmuring and your complaining. We will see the promised land if, will we see the promised land if we remain in complaining? According to this account right here that is laced throughout, of, throughout all of Scripture, you will not see the promised land if your mouth is full of complaining. But what did he say? If you remember. So if you put that, you change that, and we start being thankful, that's a better way to go. It's going to keep you from wandering. What about the things the Lord has been saying to us? And we've talked about this, but over the years. Have we earnestly... Now listen, I'm talking to us, church. Have we earnestly remembered them and made adjustments, or did we just have a moment where God spoke to us with all the feels, and when we, we removed him from the place of reverence when the feeling or serious moment was gone? Did we do that? Boy, we reverenced him in that moment because he spoke to us pretty straightforward. And then we walk away and we forget what he said. We don't remember. We don't remember his instruction. We don't take it seriously. Reverence for the Lord. Is constantly. In an attitude of. Lord. Here I am. What are you saying? And reverence for the Lord makes the adjustments as quick as we can. And I'm talking to myself here too. Because the Lord has spoken to us very distinct things. Just let's just say in the last three years. That's all we can handle. <laughs> okay? But the thing about it is he doesn't change. See, wandering in the wilderness will happen when he keeps dealing with you about the same thing because he won't take you to the promised land and forget about that first thing that he told you to fix. He doesn't do it that way. That's not the way he operates. Why? Because he wants us to come to the fullness and the wholeness of who we are in Christ. And so he, he very patiently... Remember that thing? Still there. Still there. Remember that thing? Still there. And the thing about it is, you guys, we are new creatures in him. New creation, right? He has placed into us the fullness of who he is. He has poured into us all the ability that we will ever need to do exactly what he asks. So really, we have no excuse. Don't worry, I'm going to show you how we do this. <laughs> okay? But we have to think about this. Because we could get 40 years from now and never, ever really touch what God wanted us to because we spent the 40 years not dealing with the things and adjusting the things that he told us to 
and we have the empowerment to do. I don't want to do that, do you guys? I don't want to do that. I want everything he has for me. I want it all. I want the big rain. I want the victories. I want it all. I want it all. I want people to look at me and say, she's been with Jesus. And I believe you do too. I want to know him and make him known. That is my goal. And I believe that's your heart too. Man, we got good hearts sitting in this place. People that are hungry. So out of carnality, here's another thought. Out of carnality, are we teaching our children to complain? Now don't stone me. But if we're actually teaching our children to complain, we're actually teaching them how to be a wanderer. We think we're helping them in a situation and really we're just complaining with them. Yikes. Even if it's not a child, could be a spouse. Sean and I have had to watch going through difficult times that we don't sit and talk about the problem so much that we bury ourselves with it. But talk about how God's going to get us out. Talk about how he's faithful. Talk about and remember how he's done it before he's going to do it again. Talk about those things, I'm telling you. It's going to save our lives. It is going to take us from wandering to winning. I want to win. Now, I know we've already won through Christ, but do you know that stuff doesn't just like fall on you? It's in you, but you got to work it out of you. And you have to start applying it to life if you want to see the life of Christ. Like you know the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and makes alive your mortal body. Does he? Does he? It's true. But even though God wanted these people so badly to walk into the promised land, they did not. Not all of them. Not that generation. They didn't. Why? Why not? It was theirs for the taking. Why not? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're looking at. Number one, they got their eyes off the prize. They started looking at their situation and not Jesus, not God. Number two, they started complaining and murmuring. Yeah, that's, a, that's really bad. It's bad. Don't do it. Let's not do that. So God's obvious provision, his miraculous throughout, was not enough to keep them in a place of faith, but their choice to remember earnestly and keep the murmuring out was a big part of what was ultimately going to bring them from what God said to the manifestation of what he said. There's a lot of words right there, but I think you got it. I'll read it again. God had obvious provision throughout this whole journey. Obvious provision. But his miraculous provision throughout their journey was not enough to keep them in a place of faith. 
But what it would have kept them in faith was their choice to remember earnestly and keep the murmuring out. And that ultimately what was going to what was going to bring them from what God said to the manifestation of what he said to having what he said real time having what he said it's a big deal oh my goodness i need a couple more wednesdays i think i'm going to put in for that It's interesting how complaining can move us right out of the fear and reverence of God. The moment we don't hold him in high regard, we will be, will be the moment we will begin to disregard his power and his ability in our lives and wander when we should be winning. You see that in Exodus 14, 31. The third thing is the beginning and the sustaining of their complaining and murmuring moved them into a place of unbelief. Every time you continue in murmuring and complaining, you will find yourself in a place of unbelief. It's going to happen. Why? Because you're talking the doubt and unbelief and not remembering and not talking that. They were talking, complaining about where they were, and they should have been rejoicing like they did in Exodus 15. And you're going to have to go look at it because we don't have time. But you'll see it was a whole song of how good God was. Man, they had a party. Man, they danced. They played the instruments. Man, they were just like, you know, anybody sing that song? Horse and the rider thrown into the sea. That one? They were singing that song. Nobody knows that song? Thank you. I know Joy knows that song. She knows all the good ones. Oldies. I got a few more out here. They sang and they rejoiced. They were earnestly remembering. They were singing about what the Lord had done. Man, I hope I am not this fickle. Am I? If I am, just slap me. Talking about what we were, we are promised, not what we are seeing. And then heed the promiser, the one who even thought up the place of abundance and freely gives it. Listen, you can trust God. It was his idea to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey. It was his idea to take them in there. Take them at his word. What did he say? What did he provide? What has he told you? What is he saying? Remember to be thankful. Remember how good he is. Don't let go of his word. Hang on to it, no matter what you see or what you feel. And for goodness sakes, don't complain and murmur because you're practically just chopping down anything good, you'd say. It doesn't work that way. Number four, unbelief ignited and fueled by complaining and murmuring will lead you straight into disobedience. This was the other thing, disobedience. So you can see this process of how they got where they were, ultimately to disobedience. Obedience is not God tells us to do something and then we get to the end result our own way and in our own time. That is not obedience. Anybody ever done that? If you're a kid gonna make my bed and then you take like the 
long way. You know, mom says, make your bed. I'll get to it. That is not obedience. Obedience is, obedience is right now. And it's his way. They got themselves into trouble because they tried to do things their way. Moses got himself in trouble because he tried to do it his way with the rock and the water. Doesn't work that way. They tried to do it their own way when God said, leave the manna. Ugh. They didn't listen. Well, we're obedient partly, almost, kinda, little bit, close. No, doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Sometimes we call disobedience obedience. And it's just flat out disobedience. Because we're doing it. Well, God, I'm doing it. But God, I'm doing it. But are you doing it how he instructed you to do it? Or are you doing it how you want to do it? God is very specific in his instruction. Have you ever noticed? He's very specific in his instruction. And he expects us to follow that instruction. And I'm going to have to skip a bunch here, so hang with me. So if you think about what is on the other side of fear and complaining and unbelief, irreverence, disobedience, nothing good. <laughs> Wandering, lost, no fullness, no abundance. When we murmur, we criticize, complain, and grumble about our spouse, our friends, our pastors, and leaders, and brothers and sisters, our lack, our pains, the sickness, the problem, the answer, the instruction. Boy, we just find a lot of things to murmur and complain about. We can't just brush this under the rug. Lack of reverence for him, complaining, unbelief, and disobedience costs us the rest. It costs you the promise. I wish it weren't so, like, black and white. Well, I do, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it is, like, very plain in his word. There is no gray area in God's word. It is very black and white. The children went through flows of miracles, reminders from the Lord of the beginning, provisions, and were dealt with much patience. They were dealt, dealt with in much patience, but they would continue to fall back into forgetfulness and murmuring. This, this was a habit that kept happening with them. We fear circumstances so much because we fear God so little. The reason why fear is so large in circumstances is because we fear him so little. So I'm going to tell you how, and then I'm going to read um, Hebrews. But the best way to do this, this is going to be a very deep thought. So get ready with your pens. You're going to do this one day at a time. 
You're going to grow one day at a time. The best thing, and what I've seen, because through, and, and anybody in here can attest to this, but when you have like this, because um, it sounds like they had this habitual problem of complaining and whining and wanting to do things their own way and not trusting God. All right? So there are things that we've done in life that God has been very patient with us on. But I want to tell you that it is impossible to grow past those. But it comes a certain way. It comes through fellowship with God. It comes through spending time with him daily. And then when you do that, you're not trying to, oh, I got my 50 chapters in. No, just take a few verses and apply those for that day. What is God saying? God does not do the pile on effect He'll give you a few things. Listen, we're going to do this. You're going to change this. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to do that. You're going to stay in fellowship with me. You're going to read my word so your faith is strong. And then I'm going to, because you're humble toward me, I'm going to give you more grace. And I'm going to help you get over this thing. But just like the children of Israel, God cannot pick them up and throw them into the promised land. They had to make some adjustments. They had to watch their attitude. Think about it, you guys. Simple, simple, simple things of obedience, petty things, kept them out of the promised land. Petty things. Complaining is pretty petty. It is very petty. Kept them out. It wasn't like something really cool and awesome and big and overpowering. It was petty. It was unbelief. They had all the evidence right before their eyes, and they still did not want to believe that God could get them through. And why? Because they didn't remember. Well, how do we remember? Every day, God, I humble myself before you, before your word. You're speaking to me today. We're thinking about him. We're acknowledging him. He's not just a side dish. He is our bread of life. He's not just something, well, we'll get to it. He is our number one. He's not the one that we answer second or third or fourth to because someone else holds a higher place. He's the first one that we answer to. He's the first one that we go to. He's the first one that we call upon. He is the first one that we think about when we wake up and the first one that we think about before we go to bed. He is the one that can say, you know that thing that you think you love so much? Let's put that aside. Let's put that aside. And he's saying, would you do it? He's not even saying, would you do it for me? He's saying, would you do it because I want you to get to a promised land? Nothing about God is selfish. Nothing about him is selfish. He's thinking of you. 
He's thinking of me. He's saying to Faith Family Church, I want to reign in such a way over this place and over this city, and all I need is a vessel to do it through. Will you stop complaining about petty things? Will you honor one another? Will you love one another? When I call you, I say, hey, Mike, I need you to do this. Hey, Joy, I need you to do this. Hey, Shane, I need you to do this. Will we do it? Even if it costs us something? Listen, this is where we're at. If we do not get that truth right there, that we died, now he lives, we will not see the fullness of the reign that he promised us. Now you can see it individually in your lives because the Lord's not going to withhold from Mike if I decide to, to be petty. Do you know what I'm saying? But he wants to get something in the atmosphere and in the area and remember what I said at the beginning, because it's not just about you and it's not just about me. When this thing comes, and it already has come, I don't want to say God has not moved because he has already moved very, very powerfully in this church, in our midst, in this town. People are getting saved. People are getting set free. But if we want to see the increase of that same thing, then we can't be a wanderer. We're going to close with this. I'm going to read Hebrews 3. You guys can turn there. We'll turn there together. Uh, the, um, you guys, you, you got to let this burn in you. I can't make it burn in you. You can't make it burn in me. We will get where we need to be, not because we do everything perfect. We will get where God has called us to and what he has for us because we're humble and we go to him. And when we make a mistake, we repent and we do it right. And we repent and we do it right. And because we're continually in fellowship with him, day after day after day after day, there will be a point where you will actually stop yourself before you actually do that action that you used to always do. Because growth is happening in you. And that's how that happens. And you don't get weary in the well-doing. You don't get weary and lazy about it. You just keep going. You pick yourself up and you keep going. And it's one day at a time. One day at a time. It's possible. It's possible in him. It's possible. You have to believe it's possible. I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person, if I think about, we'll just use working out. If I think about working out for the next 50 years, that's very overwhelming for me. <laughs> if I think about not eating a donut for the next two days, no, I'm just kidding. Five years, that's overwhelming. But if I get up in the morning 
and I make the right decisions, and maybe I have a bad one, but I quickly get right back on track because I'm in fellowship with God, and I'm talking to him, and I don't hide from him. I run to him, and I get back up. Lord, that was bad. I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. All right, here we go. He loves that because he knows you're not perfect. He knows you have to grow. He knows there's developing, but listen, there will be no growing if we do not remember what he has spoken to us and be obedient to it. That assessing, right? So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 19. Just listen real good. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, now this is Hebrews, so this is the New Testament, right? This is for us. This is a warning for us. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The Amplified actually says the embitterment of me. In the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry. And another meaning for that is displeased or grieved with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. The Amplified says that and they have not perceived or recognized my ways and they have not and, and become progressively better and more, and more intimately acquainted with me. They have not done that. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, beware, brethren. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to us. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you any evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Number 13, but exhort one another daily while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The, in verse 12 and 13, I'm going to read that in the Amplified. I like how it reads as well. But it says, Therefore, beware, brethren, take care, lest there be any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to cleave to, trust, and rely on him, leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. Verse 13, but instead warn, admonish, urge, and encourage one another every day as long it is, as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, and I'm going back to the New, New King James. For we have become partakers of Christ. We are partakers of Christ. Do you know how much better we have it than the children of Israel did? Even though they saw things that we have not seen? We're in Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. The Amplified in that says, if you would hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the desert when the people provoked and irritated and embittered God against them. For who, having heard, rebelled? So did they hear? Have we heard? 
Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years or displeased? Was it not with those who sinned? Listen, they knew they were sinning. I know when I'm doing something I shouldn't. Whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Verse 18 and 19 in the Amplified actually reads it this way, And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed, disobeyed, who had not listened to his word, and who refused to be compliant or be persuaded. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Listen to this. Unbelief had shut them out. Let us not allow such a selfish thing to live in us that will stop the promise in our, in our life. Let's, let's assess our lives by beholding the word of God fellowship with him, humility and yielding to him and to his way. We have to stop wandering if we want to get where he wants us to go. We cannot wander. And this word right here, the word will discover your condition. It says in, in uh, Hebrews 4 and 11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. This is for us. He, God is not wanting us to fall that same way. He's not wanting us to, to have something presented to us and then not reach it. Not get there. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to joints and marrow. And it is the discernment of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. We must give account. Sounds like stewardship, doesn't it, Mark? We must give account. So we've learned and we've looked at the lessons, the things that you don't want to do. Really? We have all the power in us not to do them. Let's not be wanderers. We're going after something here. Make the adjustments. Make the changes. Stay fresh in your relationship with God. Don't let a day go by that you don't spend time with him. And allow him to speak to you. Guys, we're going to make it. We are going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to see. We're going to see phenomenal things. Get ready. And one way we can get ready. Lord, what did you say that I haven't remembered? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you that you empower us to live by your word. That your spirit is in us, strengthening us. And you're so good. You've given us everything that we need, Lord. Open our eyes, the understanding, to see and understand those, uh, that life that you've deposited in us, that ability and that grace. 
Lord, we want to honor you. We love you. We want to please you. We're all in, Father. All in. And we love you. Bless the people as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.